everyone. Welcome into our security discussion. Uh, today we have with us Stas, Dan, and Will to go over, I think, a really interesting topic. I'm seeing a lot uh, of chatter on LinkedIn from uh, some industry professionals. This idea of um, is compliance equal to security? Which comes first? Is this a chicken and egg kind of exercise? Um, so I figured the best way to do this was bringing in some experts in this space. Let's talk about it. Let's dig into it. Um, and let's kind of understand from a tactical perspective, you know, when an organization is kind of looking to tackle compliance or tackle security, what are some methodologies, what are some frameworks, some ideas that they should be thinking? Um, and if they don't have the resources internally, where are some areas that they could go to kind of kind of find some of those answers? So um, before we jump into this, um, Dan, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're coming from, and then we'll pass it off to Will. Uh, Stash, you could wrap it up and we'll jump right into our conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Really excited to be here and talk about this this uh, this awesome topic. Dan Didier, I'm the Vice President of Solution Engineering at Great Castle Security. Uh, you know, Great Castle Security focuses on GRC, cyber operations, privacy, and incident response. So we're really full service cyber firm. At the core, we do believe that risk and risk management is what should drive all of your cyber activities, your spend. Uh, your focus, your priorities, and how you get aligned. Whether it's a pen test, a vulnerability assessment, or an actual risk assessment itself, that's always where we start. So uh, that's what I've been doing for uh, 20 plus years now. I've been at Gray Castle since 2014. Will So I've been doing cybersecurity technology for 24 years now, I think is what it is at. Um, you know, in that time, I've worked uh, the majority of that time in consulting organizations and managed services organizations, and pretty much within every department that exists. So, um, you know, I've been a consultant and delivered. I've built practice areas. I've done R and D. I've done, um, you know, product management, program management, um, uh, product development, uh, general, you know, operations management, all this stuff. So. Uh, yeah, pretty wide versed experience there. Uh, currently working at Stratascale, uh, which is an SHI company um, where we have, uh, again, end to end security capabilities from the strategy to the technology into the managed services capabilities. Thanks, Will. Thanks for being here. And uh, Stas? Yeah, uh, my name is Stas Bajuka. I'm the CEO and founder of Compile. We're in information security automation platform, essentially uh, next gen GRC. Um, we help customers lay down fundamentals in their organization. Um, we just similar to Dan, um, we focus on risk and mitigating risk for uh, for our customers and making sure that their foundations stay in place and that we can build on top of them, essentially giving them a platform that's easy to use, um, easy to scale, um, and they can pick and choose what they want from it. My personal background is um, I've been in the security space for 20 plus years as well. I've got pretty much every accreditation in this space. Um, and predominantly, I've been working in financial services before this um, as a CISO multiple times. I kind of want to start uh, from the beginning. And uh, in my mind, when I think of the beginning of this kind of journey that companies go on, um, is this whole idea that I think in early stage companies, as they're growing, compliance becomes um, a deal stopper. Um, and, it, and it becomes something that uh, organizations need to fix. They need to find solutions. Um, but oftentimes those solutions end up being more of like a checkbox exercise than, than formally kind of following those compliance framework standards to, uh, you know, de-risk the organization and to put them in a more secure point than they were yesterday. So um, Stas, if you wouldn't mind, maybe talk to me a little bit about kind of your experience when you're 
you know, you've worked with and consulted with a lot of organizations. This idea of compliance being a checkbox exercise, why is that a risk? Why is that an issue? Why is kind of, or how should companies kind of fundamentally maybe make a shift in thinking about that? Generally starting with um, with a framework um, is generally a good idea, um, especially if, uh, you know, if you're new, if you're new to the space or you've never done it before, um, a framework generally helps you lay out the, the things you need to do as an organization. Um, the problem with just focusing on compliance or just getting an accreditation like, um, you know, SOC 2 or ISO, whatever it is, um, is there's multiple problems with, with both of them. One, uh, one is a report. It can be self, you, you, you decide what domains you want to follow. You decide what controls look like, and then you basically tell the auditor to, you know, rate you on this, this or that, um, where, you know, what companies need to focus on is is actually just getting the fundamentals right for their organization and the security and, and the security around it if you look at all of the main like if you look at all of the all of the latest um you know breaches the vast majority of them are still happening for you know for very basic things like not having mfa enabled not having proper policies and people acknowledging what those policies are and what they say um be you know um business email compromise um like it's it's all things that are things that should have been dealt with and resolved a number of years ago, if not decades ago, and we should be moving on to the cooler mm -hmm. things like, uh, you know, XDR and EDR, but um, those things are great. But if all of those things are disjointed and nobody's actually looking at any of the, like any of the seam reports or any of the, um, you know, analytics that are coming off the back of, uh, you know, anomaly detection, then that's all just bells and whistles, but the fundamentals have to be there. And if the fundamentals are there, you build on it and you get compliance naturally. There are some Obviously, there's some lifts that you have to that you have to make, uh, depending on what the compliance standard is and what you're trying to do. But generally, if you have the fundamentals in place, all that other stuff should come pretty easily. Dan, I'm curious from your end. I mean, you, you've had your hands in this for quite a while too. Uh, you know, probably working with organizations varying in sizes, maybe and uh, kind of security maturity levels. Um, the idea of like this compliance being a checkbox exercise. Uh, how do you kind of think of that? Or when you cross that bridge with an organization, how do you kind of help them shift? how they're approaching that uh, kind of solve. That notion of checkbox is heavily ingrained more or less depending on the industry you go to. And I'm not picking on anyone, but it really becomes a legal issue, especially for those more mature, like finance. I'll be, you know, <laughs> let's be open here. Let's, did we comply? Yes or no. And it, that really kind of chips away at my heart as a, a security practitioner who wants to make the most possible impact and improve our security reasonably. So the biggest thing you can do though, and, and this is what I've found over, over and over and over again is, there is a massive disconnect between the folks who own the risk at the organization, who make all the decisions on where to invest, uh, wh what to do as far as budgeting resources and the people that are responsible for cybersecurity, you know, and the biggest thing that you can do is get those stakeholders on the same page, get them to actually. So imagine if I walk into a room as the CFO, the CEO, or anyone of that leadership level and a bunch of nerdy guys like on this call, sorry guys, um, start talking about three letter at like VPNs and triple des and MFA. <laughs> I, I immediately say, this is a waste of my time. I don't know what the heck is going on here. What's the minimum you guys need to do? That's what happens. Now, if you can, if you can shift that mindset 
and get those folks to feel like they understand what cybersecurity is, that's the key. Because now they can make informed decisions about what to do or not to do. And you have to elevate it above the bits and bytes. So we can talk more about how we can do that. Um, and I'm happy to jump in. I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but really for me, the most important thing is to turn this into a risk-based conversation. If I can, if I can agree that we have a problem of vulnerability and there are threats, and we can do some pretty simple math to say how likely we are to be impacted, right? Because there's all this data out there. Verizon data breach report just came out for 2023, right? And uh, to Stas's point, there's it's all the same old stuff. Um, I think the stat today, or at least recently, of how much MFA has been deployed in the big three, Azure, Google, and Amazon is like 28%. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's one of your big problems. And then the whole phishing issue, the business email compromises, right? Uh, but when we're talking at the lower bits and bytes level and not elevating it to a business risk conversation, that's where it all just goes away. So for me, it's being very, very pointed, very specific and not confusing anybody and bringing that conversation up to a level that the business can digest and then ask smart questions and make decisions. Uh, I don't know if we want to, we can go into some examples there, but. I'm yeah, gonna, I, yeah oh. I was going to say, I have, it's funny because um, I just did another podcast with Alan Alford on a, a tangential topic because what you just said is, um, so what Dan just said was, you know, it depends on the industry and the organization. And historically, like, and I mean, like back in the day, like we're all, you know, probably we're, we're all older than, than most at this point. Right. Um, you hey. know, when, when compliance frameworks came out, organiz, there were organizations, I worked for multi-billion dollar company that didn't have a CISO. Right. Um, and didn't have security. And one of my first forays into that was, oh, we need to be PCI compliant. And for them, that was, you know, because they had to do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, VNC had to be taken out and you couldn't use Telnet and all this other stuff, right? Um, so to to Dan's point, we're I think we're at a position now where we have a bunch of CISOs who have kind of grown up in that world. And we, you know, there should be a, a, a large, like a good CISO knows that their job is to go around and sell security to the rest of the business, right? Um, that's really what they're, that's one of the things, that's one of the key things they need to be doing is, Hey, here's why we need to do this. And, you know, I've advised a lot of organizations in my time, when you have compliance requirements, take advantage of that. Cause you're, that money has to come in. You know, you've got something that's telling you, you need to do this because the business, you know, we're not going to let the business function. If you don't, that's an opportunity to go, okay, great. Let's make some improvements. Let's take, you know, let's take advantage of that. Let's you know, if we don't have a framework or we don't have a roadmap, well, okay, let's, you know, this it's, let's pretend it's 2008 and PCI came out and now we need a PCI roadmap. Well, let's make it a security roadmap, right? Because <laughs> now we have everybody's attention. So now we can play on it. And so, so I think that whole idea of, um, yeah, there are a lot of organizations that are looking at, oh, I just need to do this. I want to check the box and be done with it. And that's fine. And, um, but, you know, those who have the right leadership that understand, okay, we need to make security a priority, you know, they know that that's their job, I think. I think that's really well said. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I, I can just jump into this. Like Dan, what you said about um, <clears throat> you know managing risk, I think it's like there's three things that I usually whenever I go into a new organization, we start a new contract. Like, can I see your policies? Can I see an architectural diagram? And can I see uh, your risk register? Chances are they don't have any of those. Um, mm -hmm. But in you know, in order to be able to get the business to really care about what it is that they're uh, to get them to pay attention to security. Um, if you can quantify the risk in a way that it isn't bits um, and it is really, this is what the impact is to the organization. This is what the inherent risk, the residual risk, and this is the actual dollar amount that, that's going to impact you guys. And these are the actual consequences of it. Like then, then they tend to care and then they pay, then they start to pay attention. I don't know if that's where you were going to go with this. I yeah. Be something similar. hundred oh, percent. Cause here's the deal. Like this is what's really, this is what, the secret sauce is for folks that are going to listen to this or try to understand how to elevate the cybersecurity conversation is me. I have no idea what the impact to the business is. I don't own the finances. I don't own the operations. I don't understand the revenue streams, but I do know what the potential vulnerabilities are and how likely they are to occur and what assets they could impact. Then I just have a simple conversation with, director of operations or the CF and with the CFO in the room and say, Hey, if these systems go down, which by the way, based on our experience is you got a 50% probability in the next year that you lose these things for three to five days. What does that cost the organization? They will be able to throw a number at you in seconds. And then they're going to ask a bunch of follow-up questions like, Oh, would this be impacted too? And what about this? And now those individuals feel like they understand cybersecurity because you didn't make an assumption. You didn't jump up and down and start yelling about all the things that could go wrong that they don't understand. You asked them, what's the impact of the business? You, you just brought your insight where you are the expert. Let them bring their expertise to the table, come together. And when you leave that room, when you did a to go through a risk workshop with leadership and you bring that sort of an approach, they leave saying, I now know what cybersecurity is. And I know what the top five things that we need to do are. I know how much money I've got. Let's figure out how to best spend that money on those five things. So you you just made them, I don't want to call say cybersecurity experts, but you made them cyber comfortable, which is very rare in today's day and age. And you just got them on your bandwagon. So it might all started with compliance, but to, to Will's point and to Stas, to your point about this, this needs to get elevated and we need to do something more with this. In my experience, that's the way to do it. And then, you know, you've, you've got some goodwill at that point. You, you need to go away and take that risk register and create a corrective action plan, right? Because that's the next thing that I ask for staff is, all right, what have you done about it? And that's what, a, by the way, that's what an auditor or someone, a regulator is going to ask you if you have an issue. It's, okay, you guys knew you had risks. Did you do anything about it? But it's, but this we is accepted it. <laughs> well, if there's a record of that happening, so I, that's another thing that I would love to bring up and talk about here. But if you confused everyone in the process, it's not likely you're going to get any action if everyone's confused, right? So really, by breaking down these barriers, that's that's where we become successful. And one little thing, I kind of get on a roll here, guys, and I'll I'll throw it to 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 you, Will. Here's what I find interesting. This is this is this is like your head explodes sometimes because the folks that are in cyber up to their neck or sometimes over, you know, you're in your own little world sometimes. And the folks in IT, same deal. When you're not in our world, 
you have to realize some things. When I go into a risk workshop and to conduct this sort of activity, the first thing I do is at an elementary level define, because the organization probably hasn't done a good job of this, what is a high risk? <laughs> what is a moderate risk? What is a low risk? And the reality is people don't do, they just jump in and say, well, do you think this is a high risk? And everyone goes, well, yeah. maybe. It could be, you know, could, could this occur sometime in the next, like, and then, and then the other problem is they say, well, how likely is this to occur? Well, in my mind, the default is one year, you know, like we can't think further year. Someone might be saying, oh, in the next 10 years, yeah, very likely. So if you don't define your levels for likelihood and what they mean and risk, you are going to have the most unsuccessful activity ever. And everyone's going to be really upset when they leave that thing. In fact, those, those senior folks are probably going to leave early because they're going to see this as a waste of their time. However, if you came back and said, hey, we've tentatively or initially defined, because they didn't have risk methodology, a high risk as something that's likely to impact one or more systems for somewhere between you know, up to five days of an outage that could lead to significant uh, financial and reputational loss. Okay, now I have some benchmarks here. And if you wanna define critical, critical is you're likely to go out of business. So we don't just throw critical out there, right? And then you go down to moderate and low. Now you've got everyone on the same, same field, right? Low would be what? A very minor impact to the business, difficult to measure financially or reputationally, right? If I if you start off like that and get these things defined for both the uh, the likelihood and then the impact side of the house, you can now have a very effective conversation because everyone can bring their knowledge to the table. So, you know, I'll throw it back to you, Will. You know, I, I'm sure you've probably been part of a conversation where these things haven't been defined and people are all over the map, right? I I wonder if you have any other thoughts or experiences there. Yeah, it's interesting because um, you know, and we're we're kind of moving into the risk conversation which is great i love that but you know at the end of the day you've, you've got to you're, you're talking finances you have to talk and and you know everywhere i've ever been and every client i've ever talked to you know my mantra is always like everybody needs to understand everyone's job is to help the person above them right and the company has a mission and a goal and if everything you're doing doesn't help achieve that goal then what you're doing is not beneficial so from a security perspective, um, compliance is good because we have to do it and security people see it as a way to, to, to get things in. But I constantly am uh, sort of advising, especially newer people getting into the industry who just like, oh, you need to have this, you need to have all these controls, you need to do all these things. I was like, no, you don't. Um, you need to evaluate it and you need to find out what the actual, at the end of the day, financial impact is to it, right? You get a lot of people who think, you know, like you can't do security for security's sake, right? And if you need to do it for compliance sake, guess what? There's things like compensating controls, right? Oh, I don't meet this requirement, but because of A, B, C, and D and the way that we do business, this is really low risk and we don't need it, right? And auditors can understand that. And if you can bring that to them. So I think that that's kind of where I get like, one, you need to bring that, you need to understand that it's all about the business. People get kind of caught up in, you know, there's like you said, we all, everybody gets heads down into their world of security or IT or whatever it is. Uh, and they want to do the things they want to do. But at the end of the day, you know, your job is to make widgets or do whatever. Right. And I can, for an example, like in the OT space, uh, when OT security started coming, coming out, I was 
you know, flabbergasted. And I actually got to do a lot of R&D work in that and really saw that grow up. And it was um, blown away by, uh, you know, because everybody on the security side was like, well, you have to patch, you have to patch, you have to patch. And, you know, ICS systems and OT systems are like, no, don't touch it. <laughs> because if, if you if you patch it and it breaks, operations go down and one day of not producing something could be critical, right? So in that case, yeah, no, that's not a high risk, um, especially, and then if you can quantify, well, let's put some compensating controls into it. Let's do some other things to make sure it's air gap. Let's test around the system, right? So it's not always, I think that's where when we talk about compliance, having someone understand the intent of that regulation or that requirement is very, very important versus mm -hmm. just being like, oh yeah, you have like taking it word for word and being like, you have to do this. That's why I think like ISO and NIST, which are not, I mean, you can be compliant with that framework, but it's not a compliance framework. It's not PCI or SOC or whatever, right? Um, you know, those are meant to guide you on best practices and what to do and how to do things properly where the other things are more prescriptive, but you have to understand the intent of those. So, and that well, intent is what's the criticality. Let's just say this ISO 27001 is a information security management system. It doesn't yeah. prescribe a minimum level of security and the auditors, once you're implemented, what they check on is that you're improving. Is it, are we improving this much or, you know, this much, like it doesn't matter. You're improving. So you're meeting the intent. So it's up to you. It's up to the organization. Like you said, Will. And um, I think, there was just a, I, I, you might've been on it. Well, I don't know. There was a thread on LinkedIn. I was just reading, like someone asked the same question, like what compliance or security? And it was like, Oh, no, yeah, no, I do know. In fact, I was thinking about that before we joined all this. These, and I was like, I, I, if you're I, I, compliant I, I, with your company's security framework, then yes, compliance equals security. Because if you've properly <laughs> defined how your organization's going to work, then you need to be compliant with it. Right. But if you're PCI compliant or SOC 2 compliant, that doesn't mean you're secure. You, you know, I, I think like what, what also who's auditing you? <laughs> How much do they yeah. know? You know, I think what I'm hearing, uh, and please correct me if if maybe I'm misstating this, but like I think, you know, if you were to go back 10, 15 years and you're thinking of the guy uh trying to, you know, say we're at risk, we're at risk, and you know, throwing those these three letter <laughs> acronyms around and and so on and so forth. But you know, fast forward to 2023, I think like to it, it's imperative, you know, if you're owning compliance or security and i know these are broad topics but like within an organization um it's becoming really almost you know a, a major requirement to be able to properly communicate in a way that the business is going to be able to digest and then be able to make decisions based on what you're communicating mm -hmm. and i think you know staff sometimes what we see with organizations is it's very hard to get there but when you can make security and foster that in an organization and it becomes part of their culture security is no longer looked at as a that's slowing down business it's actually looked at as something that can can move business along and help you make decisions quicker and in a more secure way but getting there is easier said than done um yeah this is this as, is all yeah. about having well-defined processes and people knowing what those processes are and making them as simple as possible to use um just going back of both Dan and Will's point, like I had um I had a new CISO approach me at a conference and he was basically saying, Oh, like I tried to implement this new risk management program in the organization. We don't have anything in place at the moment. And I showed it to the CFO and she had no idea what I was talking about. And I'm like, well, what did you do? And then he was like, Well, I you know, I showed her the policy. And I was like, Did you walk her through the <laughs> policy? 
And then he's like, no. And I'm like, well, she's not going to know what a five by five like heat map grid is, nor will she give a shit, nor will yeah. she care, uh, right. you know, what, what that is and how it works. And like, so I sent him a deck like I, that I used in the past, where it's just basically, it's supposed to be an interactive deck where you have the, where you have the right people in the room. You explain just like what Dan, you know, Dan was saying, like, all right, here's your likelihood. Often doesn't change very often. You use it on a you know, one year scale. Uh, but impact, how do you guys, how do you guys write impact on this? What, like, what is the dollar amount here? What is it, is a reputational risk, the client loss? What are you guys, how, how do you guys want to quantify this? And then once you, once you actually have that level playing field, you can actually start quantifying, um, you can actually start quantifying all that risk and, and making it really valuable to the organization. But also like my experience with this has been other departments or like other teams all want to report risk as well, because like it makes it easier for them to not have to do something that a client is asking them to do that makes absolutely no sense. And they just have no way of being able to say, this makes no sense in a way that the business will understand. And this gives them that 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 out. Um, and that's also happened in, in my experience quite a bit as well. You bring up an excellent point that I see all the time. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll frame it right. I think everybody who works for a company like kind of understands financial risk and risk to the business, right? They understand, oh, I, if I do this or, you know, there's certain things that if I do during my day, like, oh, that's just, you know, well aware, that's a bad thing to do, but they don't necessarily understand security risk, you know, like it's, it's that whole contextual thing, right? Everybody thinks I'm not important. It doesn't matter. So if I do something wrong, who cares, you know, if, if they get my, my little bit of information. And I see this all the time with data protection specifically. Uh, because everybody knows that it's a problem and they want to implement the technology, but they don't want to do the organizational change management, right? So all of us here and most people listening to it are going to understand that if I have a DLP solution, you know, I can flag emails, I can route things differently, I can control people's access to different systems and what they can and can't do. Uh, you know, I can, I'm going to be labeling stuff and there's policy, you know, all of this stuff makes total sense to everybody in security. But if you're an admin in the, you know, uh, the real estate part of the organization, and you go to get access to some data, and they tell you, no, you can't have it, or you try to send an email, and it says, no, you can't do that. And nobody's explained to them why they can't. Mm. They're going to escalate, they're going to get mad. And then you're going to have, you know, a battle of the, you know, the titans at the top, and then security is going to lose. Because you didn't do the right things at the front, you have to, you have to educate the organization on why you're doing these things. Uh, because hey, this is GDPR requirement. This is CCPA requirement. This is you know, TCR, whatever it is, right? And understand your business line does this again. Going back, going back to the CISO and sort of all that executive leadership team, you know, that's their role is to make sure that everybody understands that when we're talking about compliance and security, here's how it affects the business and why you need to care, right? For sure, and it's a, it's all about the reasonable level of security as well, which is what Dan hinted at yeah. as well. Because like the amount of times that I've seen like companies do something and they take it to the absolute extreme. Your, mm -hmm. your DLP example is perfect, right? Lock down absolutely everything. And yet <laughs> nobody can do any work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or exactly. Or, or that, or, you know, all of the, uh, all of the domain admins have never, uh, passwords never expire and they all have email addresses associated with them. Right. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's just about the re reasonable level of security. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a good client example I've had and, and anybody can steal this. And when they told me this at first, you know, as a security professional, I was like, well, that, you know, okay. Um, well, I'll just give you the, here's the situation, right? So I, I had a client who was in an industry. I, I won't name their industry. Um, and what they did is they would use maturity scoring 
against another industry, like a higher, like let's say pharmaceutical, right? Industry, which is, you know, something. And then they would, they would, they created their risk plan based on that. So they wanted their maturity scoring to be higher than like the average pharmaceutical company was, even though they weren't in pharmaceutical. Um, the whole idea was if and when something happened and somebody came down to give them fines, they were legally defensible because they can go and say, look, in our industry, we're crushing it. And compared to this industry, who should be even doing better, we're even doing better than they are in most areas. So our due diligence is checkbox. So it goes back to what Dan said earlier about a lot of times this gets tied up with legal and business. Like, So that risk prioritization in their case wasn't necessarily focused on, well, let's do a bunch of threat modeling and see where the biggest attacks are and where we want to invest our money, but more of like, hey, what do we need to do to make sure that if something happens, we don't lose more money? Go, I think like, you know, a lot of what's being discussed here is like just tying it back to revenue, potential loss of revenue, because that changes the conversation. It makes the conversation, I think, a little more tangible for, uh, you know, the non-technical folk at the table to just mm -hmm. be able to digest what it is we're doing, right? Because when security is only seen as a cost center and slowing business down, um, you know, pretty soon those security folk, they, they don't get invited to those meetings anymore, right? They could, and and that's a problem. That That's truly a problem. So that's great. Well, listen, I, I appreciate the three of you making time for this today. This was awesome. Um, and certainly an engaging conversation. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of people that are going to be asking some questions. And um, that's always good. But uh, I wanted to really thank you one last time um, and look forward to having you guys on a, uh, another Security Sessions uh, panel discussion. Um, this was great. Uh, Will, Stas, Dan, thank you. And until uh, next time.